This week's episode of the Break Room Boys is brought to you by Road Emote. Everybody hates bad drivers. Unfortunately, the world is plagued with them. No matter what state you're in, what road you're on, or how long your trip is, you're pretty much guaranteed to come into contact with a driver that makes you wish you could play Grand Theft Auto in real life. Don't you wish you could tell them exactly how you feel about them? Well, with Road Emote, now you can. Road Emote is a display that can be placed in your front or rear windshield. It's transparent until turned on so as to not block your vision while driving. You simply use the handy app available on both Apple and Android stores and choose from any number of preset insults that will make sure the idiots of the interstate know just how much you hate them. Although Rotomote comes preset with several creative user-submitted insults, you can add as many custom insults of your own as you'd like. Order now and receive free shipping on your order. Rotomote is not responsible for any violent consequences faced from the use of this product. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Break Room Boys. I'm Nate, and that's Lucas. Hey, man. And we really missed you guys. Uh, we were out last week. Uh, we went on a bachelor trip uh, over the weekend to Kentucky and got back and basically needed an entire week to recover because we're old and washed. Yeah, now, it was it was your bachelor trip. Let's not be shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, was, this was an occasion celebrating you, uh, celebrating the existence of, of good friends and bourbon as well um and we had quite a good time which made for uh, quite a tough week but we, were, we, were, <laughs> we were back at it it did and you know the first thing i was going to do was complain about my day of travel back uh but then i remembered yours was probably even worse um it wasn't good yeah we uh um we made the foolish decision to drive and um this was to louisville kentucky by the way which was how many hours from dallas 12 to 13. 12 to 13, okay. Yeah, split amongst three people. Um, it's not fun either way. We drove through the night the first time. Second time we left in the morning, got here pretty late at night. Um, yeah, both ways it, it sucked, and uh, I would have much rather boarded a plane. But it sounds like you guys got back pretty late as well. Well, yeah, so a couple of the guys decided to fly. Uh, they did American both ways, which flies directly back to DFW. Yeah. Um, I booked American on the way there, and I booked Delta on the way back, uh, just because it was cheaper and I waited too long to book my flights. Uh, so we had to make a stop in Atlanta. We had a layover in Atlanta, and then we took a red eye home. Yeah. So we get up that morning. It's me and Kevin that are uh, our buddy Kevin. Uh, it's it's us doing the Delta flights back. Everyone else kind of did their own thing otherwise, mm-hmm. and. Um, Kevin woke up and decided to get the drunkest he's been on the entire trip. He just reeked of booze Correct. the entire time, and he was, like, he was deliriously tired and also, like, hammered drunk sitting next to me <laughs> in the was airport. A, this is his last, last chance before he comes home. <laughs> yeah, last. he's just, just, I just have this horrible scent of, like, like, uh... I don't even know how to explain it. Just like poor decisions over the weekend, yeah, plus just, whiskey breath. Just beer and ball sack. And every time he talked to me, I was just like, oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I was completely stone cold sober, and he was shit-faced drunk. And we're we're all just deliriously tired because we stayed up till like, 4 a.m. every night. Yeah. So we had to sit in the airport for, like, six hours. Um, horrible. We ended up getting back at, like, 
I don't know, like 1 a.m. Uh, didn't sleep well that night just no. to make matters no. worse. I was trying to work on Tuesday after Memorial Day, and I was literally falling asleep with my laptop in my lap. Okay. And I, I probably took like a combined 10 naps of like 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, needless to say, recording did not happen Tuesday night. Still felt like shit Wednesday. I don't think I felt normal until like the weekend. Yeah, me too. Definitely like Thursday, Friday, I started to, my body felt somewhat normal and rested. Uh, yeah, I had to, I had to be at a meeting, uh, in office on Tuesday morning and I was, I was like just a dead body basically (laughs) in there. Um, got home like a little after lunch and slept most of the afternoon, but, um, yeah, it was a good time, and we, have, I think, finally have recovered mentally and physically. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, alas, here we are. Yeah, so that was an unplanned break. We fully intended to record last week, and there was just never a good time to do that. We would have been absolute zombies on here. So uh, took the week off. We're back, at, we're back at it. We might do two episodes this week. Who knows? Um, but we've got a lot of stuff that we have on the list. Um, some of it we were going to talk about last week. Um, others we've we've gone ahead and added to this list. We were going to do uh, NBA Finals picks. Uh, we are now two games into the NBA Finals, so we are. Yeah, we will talk about what we expected before it tipped, and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah, we will keep our integrity and and stick with our choice. I mean, the series is one one, I guess. So whatever our picks were. Doesn't change a ton. Yeah, now, doesn't, fact, you don't doesn't look like an idiot either way. So right. Yeah. Uh, but let's start out with some goofy news stories, uh, as we tend to do. Um, there's been a lot that's been going on in the world. Um, a lot of focus on uh, firearms. You know, the, with the school shooting that happened. There was the Buffalo shooting. There's been a few shootings since. Yeah. Seems to never get out of the news these days. But um, Laura Ingram seems to have it figured out. Um, she seems to know what's causing this and um if you think it's like bad parenting or if you think it's uh you know any number of like maybe insanity or or hell maybe even too many people having access to guns that's not it it's it's pot Mm. yeah um so apparently fuck i didn't even consider that so apparently the shooter was a pothead and uh laura ingram came out with the idea that uh so here let's let's just read her quote sure This is something that the medical community is well aware of, yet you get the sense that the billions of dollars on the line are more important than our kids. And what's what's happening, especially to young men in the United States who are frequent users of this high-potency THC that's now in marijuana products sold legally in dispensaries across the U.S., I mean, this, at the very least, needs a serious national conversation. Yeah. This is literally reefer madness. Um. Yeah, she had a... <laughs> this has been debunked for decades. You, I mean, they had to be scraping bottom of the barrel, like uh, the fo- the higher-ups at Fox, as far as, like, what what are we going to push now? Like, they, we've circled all the way back to, to pot being bad. Like, something I think older people have, like, just finally come around to in recent years is, like, you know what, maybe marijuana's not all that bad. They're like, nah, fuck it, play the hits. Like, like <laughs> we got to circle back... We gotta we gotta make Fox great again and push these old narratives. Um, I like the guy she had on to the guest, uh, the correspondent here, Doctor Keimer. Doctor Russell Keimer is it, is it Keimer? Yeah, okay, I believe so. Uh, he is the medical director of Partners in Safety, a group that works with companies to provide drug tests for its employees. So literally, a fucking the biggest dork on earth. The guy, <laughs> a guy who makes sure that companies are still drug testing their employees. Uh, that that's the guy she had on to. Uh, to back her 
on the on this uh, on this claim that that marijuana is causing uh, a lot of this gun violence. Um, and this guy, yeah, this guy says I watched a, a bit of the video reading the article here. He's basically saying this isn't your grandpappy's weed. This isn't this isn't any more Woodstock weed and and just you know watching watching <laughs> You're the not Eagles smoking like, Mexican hay anymore. No, no, sir. This is this is the high potent stuff. This is making making the youths crazy. It's it's causing shootings. It's causing car accidents, uh, violent rampages, literally all the shit that they talked about in that uh, reefer madness. Uh, I guess it was a film. It was a was it a was it yeah. a film or a documentary? Like they tried to push it as a documentary. Um, I think there that was like back in the was, was that like, like in the 30s, the, the 30s or yeah. 40s? Like I don't even know it was if prohibition they, era. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, little little bit of an outdated view, and um, you know, I don't want to get into the whole gun debate on here. Uh, I think we could we could go for days on that, but that's not what people listen to this podcast for. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a, a, a bit of a strange thing to point to. Uh, I think we can all kind of agree on that. That's, and yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they must have been really pressed for material. Like if they were like, well, I don't know how we're going to spend this. Like, let's just, let's blame it on weed. Like that, that's always worked in the past. I do think weed ha- does have something to do with this though. Being that like if a lot of these mass shooters had smoked weed just minutes before they committed these crimes it, it probably would have changed their tune because i'll agree weed has gotten very strong like it's gotten very high potent and especially for people uh like you and i who uh who are occupied largely by day jobs now and don't get to mm-hmm. smoke at the frequency we once did it's very strong uh it can make <laughs> you a little paranoid um if anything it makes you overly cautious like like wildly cautious and and afraid to to paranoid yeah sure um literally you know the opposite state of mind that would enable you to commit acts of violence uh, especially shooting up an elementary school sure and i mean again this is a much larger issue we're dealing with we like we joke about it but um marijuana absolutely has no place in the discussion when when we're talking about this stuff but it is crazy that that even like you know after years, what it's been nine years since Colorado and Washington legalized weed, ten years now, and like we're still, we're still circling back to this every now and then. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's never going to go away because there's still enough people out there that know nothing about it. I don't know if they've just never smoked it themselves. Yeah, and like they just they think that it just causes some sort of psychosis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I I guess in some way it can, but it, again, to your point, it's like the exact opposite direction of what would cause you to shoot shoot people. Dude, it's like those stories when you're growing up and you hear like, dude, my my cousin's friend like t- took acid and he jumped off a roof. He thought he could fly. <laughs> it's like, dude, my I know a kid that smoked a doobie and then just like fucking open fire in public like no that that's not a thing never happened no it doesn't happen it's never happened Uh, once but man it's like we know that a large audience in this country is quite uh quite vulnerable and and quite um it's impressionable and so yeah you throw these things out there and you're right you have somebody who's like has no experience with the substance they're like yeah you know what this adds up this all makes sense yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never felt the effects, but that's that's what it seems like it should do, right? It's a logical progression, yeah. Yeah. Um, really fucking wacky. I had a, I, I'd forgotten I had thrown this on there. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. 
a Florida man, believe it or not, was uh, busted hustling a gambling scheme. Um, and let me pull up the article. What I think what surprised me about this is this had been around since like 2004. The guy had been had been running this operation. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Let me find it. Um, oh, he's a he's a World Series of Poker bracelet winner. He is. Okay, yeah. Corey Ziedman or Ziedman of, of Boca Raton um, faces federal charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, mail fraud, and conspiracy to commit money laundering as part of the scheme. Excuse me, that spanned from 2004 to 2020. Um, according to a two-count indictment. And so, yeah, this guy was a, a professional poker player. Yeah, he won a bracelet at the 2012 World Series of Poker. And he has been scamming people uh, for, for nearly 20 years. So what was he doing, though? Um, it, let's see. Let's find the specifics here. Um, as alleged, Zeidman preyed on individuals who were led to believe Correct. he had inside information that yeah. would lead them to easy money. He was, so, a, he was a fake sharp. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah. he was one of these guys that was like giving out gambling tips, probably, what, like a, a phone line or something like a, that? A, you, originally, probably, and then he probably uh, transitioned to a website at some point, but he's get, he had fake insider info and fake sharp picks and uh, charging a subscription, Okay, it, it sounds like, basically. Well, this sounds like a lot of people could get in trouble for this because there are a whole lot of people out there that have these like pay, these like uh, paid picks that they do. Oh, I, I worked. I've worked with several people who subscribe to those. And uh, yeah, I mean, so all right. In reality, he was selling nothing but lies and misinformation. So he fucking sucked at, at gambling. Yeah, his picks were shit, and he <laughs> pretended to be an expert. Uh, and and he, it went along for nearly two decades. It sounds like there was also some. Um, it, with the wire fraud part of it, there was some shady financial shit going on there. Um, let's see. Oh, okay, yeah. He defrauded victims and persuaded them to drain their retirement accounts to invest in his bogus sports betting group. So, so was he yeah. was he communicating directly with these people, saying like, "Hey, I I, I know I, I know I've been on a cold tear lately, but like, dude, just just pay me." A few hundred more dollars, and I promise you, I'll get you. I'll get you out of the red. Yeah, I know you've been <laughs> you've been buying my picks for about six years now. It's been a it's been a rough run, but but stick <laughs> with me. But like we are about to turn a corner. So he was taking millions from his uh, his quote unquote victims. More than twenty five million in interstate wire transfer and private commercial carriers. Holy shit! Yeah. So yeah, this is something that I, I need to look more in detail at. I, I imagine more details will be coming out. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean. From what it sounds like, it he just had a bunch of people that also didn't know how to bet that were essentially counting on his picks. And this I guy mean, knows what to he's get doing. Twenty five million dollars out of these people. I mean, it, it said that there were certain people whose lives were left in financial ruin and their bank accounts empty. At what point do you draw the line? Um, you and I are in the wrong business, my friend. I guess so. Yeah, um, I know that gambling addiction is a real thing. And I, I guess he was kind of preying on that, which anyone that's preying on addiction yeah, can, you. can yeah, go fuck themselves. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I guess I would – I don't know. For, from what it sounds like to me, it sounds like he's got a pretty good case to defend himself unless there's just some – you know, he's, he's stealing bank account info and, like, actually taking money out of these people's I, I, accounts or something I, like and that. And I think that may have been the case too. I think they may have been been some, like, identity theft. Um Potentially, but uh, now there's no doubt that the people who fell for this are dumb too, and, and partly at fault. Like, oh, definitely. That, I mean, that it, tends to be the case on a lot of these things. Yeah. So, I've been seeing this stuff happen with like NFTs and and certain meme yeah. stocks and, and things like that lately too, 
where these people put all of this money into these into these bogus you know coins and, and things of that nature just to have the, the people basically correct they just take the money and run yeah. and everyone like I've seen so many stories of this where people just go to their accounts and see that there's absolutely nothing left in there or the the value of this NFT or this stock or, or whatever have you has now hit zero plummeted. yeah it's zero. and it's unregulated so I guess they're trying to regulate this now uh, but until you make it federally legal I don't know how you can can really do this unless you can point to him actually taking money out of these people's accounts uh, Reading further into this, um, United States Attorney Breon Peace said in the statement that Ziedman defrauded his victims and persuaded them to drain their retirement accounts to invest in his bogus sports betting group. Also, he could spend it on international vacations, a multi-million dollar residence, and poker tournaments. Um, yeah, what the hell else is he going to do with all that money? It seems like gambling is kind of his thing. Yeah. You're going to go on vacation, you're going to spend it gambling. <laughs> yeah, this guy's uh this guy just sounds like an older Dan Bilzerian a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um and I've been meaning to look more into him too cuz uh I, I know he's got some poker background too and I think he's dead. I yeah, I don't who gives a fuck about that guy, but yeah, fuck um, that guy. Also uh I I threw in here last week I'd forgotten about this too. Two women in Arizona were arrested with about 500,000 fentanyl pills. Um that's a lot. Martha Lopez and Tanya Luna Solis uh, faced multiple drug charges. Arizona police say they found 500,000 fentanyl pills during a traffic stop. Um, yeah. Phoenix police uh, say after a traffic stop, they uncovered hundreds of thousands of fentanyl pills, a gun, and a large amount of cash. Uh, police in Casa Grande say that Martha Lopez, the driver of the car, and Tanya Luna Solis, a passenger, there's multiple drug charges from the drug bust. Uh, they stopped them for speeding around 5.30 p.m. Um, they said they discovered half a million fentanyl pills disguised inside bottles that made them look like collagen supplements. And they, they show a picture here, uh, and they do look like collagen supplements. I'll say they may look a bit too much like collagen supplements because <laughs> all the box says is collagen. collagen. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and then you see the bottle here. It just says collagino. Yeah, um, and inside of it are are many, many, many yeah. little blue pills that these things uh, are packed to the rim. Yeah, apparently those. are fentanyl. I'm always fascinated when this type of stuff happens because, um, like it obviously like, and we live in Texas and we read about some huge busts that happen. But like, I love just thinking about like manufacturing plants and like like businesses that are just dedicated to uh, that are drug fronts like mm -hmm. like what else what other products are out there oh uh, yeah that, like that are packaged inside of you know an inconspicuous thing like this was um let me find the amount i think i mean they estimated this was several million several several million dollars worth of, of fentanyl um yeah, a lot of this stuff comes from uh, China, but it started it started coming from south of the border as mm -hmm. well. Um, as they've started to lose profits from uh, marijuana becoming more and more accessible and legal here in the United States, they're having to kind of go to different things. And uh, I, I, I have the viewpoint that anyone that gets busted for fentanyl, uh, just give them a life sentence and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, that's something, I mean, anytime you're taking any sort of drug 
you're kind of rolling the dice, but especially these days, uh, it didn't used to be like this. Like it, it used to be, you're kind of, you know, you know that you're taking a risk anytime you're buying something like cocaine or methamphetamine, sitting your granddaddy's fentanyl, or, yeah, or anything like that. But nowadays, it's especially bad because anything that you get is liable to be laced with some amount of fentanyl. And the thing that's really fucking scary about it is the tiniest amount can take you out. I know, um, and that's I, like uh, that's been the crazy thing too. It, it's gotten so prevalent that um, like I've I've heard just people I listen to and consuming different media, they don't even pretend to do like the don't do drugs thing. Mm-hmm. It's more like test your drugs, right? Like hey, like we're all adults. Like if you're gonna do drugs, I, I get it. But, like test your shit because like right. people are dying all the time yeah it's taken shit. out yeah. several famous people as well oh yeah i and mean that's how mac miller died he got a fentanyl laced michael k williams something I think, yeah, yeah yeah exactly um there have been quite a few others as well yeah, uh quite a few. who's the pitcher for tyler skaggs, skaggs. it was the same thing mm-hmm. he he got a quote-unquote prescription press, press pill it yeah he got a fake pre- oxycodone or right fake oxycodone yeah yeah, it's it's fucking scary out there now, and uh, I mean, I I would really recommend to anybody out there because again, to your point, no one's trying to say like don't do drugs these days. Sure, that's what I'm saying to any of my friends. Like, just don't even fuck with it. But if you are, you got to be testing that stuff because it is it's terrifying these days. You never you never really know. Mm-hmm. Um, one person could take something. And the next person gets the one that has a little too much in it, and then yeah. you're gone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fuck these women. I hope they get the full extent of the law thrown at I, them. I and have a feeling they will not be seeing the light <laughs> of day for quite a while. Probably not. But, yeah, it, it's it's scary out there, man. You, you guys you guys got to be careful. These um, are, like, young, like, attractive women, by the way. Like, they're, like, they look to be, like, late 20s, early 30s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like... Totally inconspicuous. Like, right. got pulled over for speeding. Had. They look like they would be selling collagen. Like, they like, actually like do. Bullshit like, collagen they do. Yeah, to they look to be wearing like scrubs and stuff. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they look like they would totally have a fuck ton of collagen supplements in their car. Um, Good on those police for having the uh, the kind of raised eyebrow to all that. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't know that I trust this. That is a suspicious They're, amount of collagen. And they are acting really weird right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to wonder how many people that might have saved. So no telling, dude. Yeah. So so good on those police. Um, Rarely say that, but yeah, we'll tip the cap. Yeah, tip it, tip of the cap to them. Um, another another uh, story that I came across this week, and this one kind of grossed me out a little bit. And it's uh, why there. <laughs> well, when I tell you, you'll understand. So there is a company that is creating a cereal. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different interesting cereals out there these days. Sure. We've seen some really weird ones pop up. We've seen, uh, what is it? Uh, the Sour Patch Kids cereal. Never tried that, but I have I to I totally imagine. missed that somehow. Oh yeah. I've seen that in stores. I don't know how I that's, feel about that's, that. That's gotta be terrible. I can't imagine drinking sour milk at the end of my cereal yeah, bowl. Uh, this is somehow worse. This is period crunch cereal. Um, and it is being made to normalize menstruation talk at the breakfast table. I'm all for that. Um, it literally says it on the box. Putting period conversations on the table. I, I, I will say period crunch is a bit too on the nose, though. <laughs> they could have, like, gotten a little more creative. Co- uh, cocoa muffs. 
our, <laughs> our uh, Reese's Muffs, Captain <laughs> Cunt. Period. Period. Crunch is awesome. This first line is one of the greatest openings of an article I've ever seen. Can a can a bowl of raspberry flavored uteruses combat generations of misogynistic shame and stigma? Probably not, but at least it's something. Yeah, if you look at this, it's literally like little. little (laughs) It's little uterus shaped raspberry cereal that certainly turns your milk red. Um, (laughs) Not just any red, menstruation red. (laughs) Menstruation red. Moon's blood red. Dude, yeah, uh, I think we're we're beyond the the, the day and age where we need to kind of. we probably need to normalize this stuff a little bit. It has been, you know, it has been stigmatized and it has been, you know, people talk about it like it's gross. It's a bodily function. Yeah, like, dude, you know, we need to get past yeah. that. But I don't know if this is the way that we need to do it. I don't know that I need to be eating periods in order to make myself feel better about periods. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, um, but... Yeah, I mean, this is one I I had never thought perhaps breakfast cereal was the the correct you know window into <laughs> into learning. Um, yeah, for me it happened organic. Put a little period in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That'll normalize it. <laughs> there, there are people that do that already without breakfast cereal. Menstruation. It's what's for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing yeah. like a little menstrual milk to start your day. Um. Yeah, this is a very unique idea. I mean, I, again, like I never even considered this. Uh, you know, sex ed, sex education in America, and especially the part of the country where we grew up, is is pathetic. It's, it's almost non-existent. It's almost non-existent. It's abstinence first. Um, very archaic, very outdated. But I'll say, I never fucking saw a breakfast cereal coming. Like that was something I never anticipated. Should that be required I'm, to be served in in school cafeterias? In elementary school cafeterias. Yeah. Yes. I, you can make an argument. Anything that makes it more easy to discuss, right? <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, just kind of staying on the topic of uh, things that we didn't see coming. Uh, talking about things that are normal that have become not normal. Sure. Uh, our boy Winnie the Pooh. Everybody grew up on Winnie the Winnie the Pooh to some extent. I, th- I think if you. Anybody that was young at one time uh, probably watched Winnie the Pooh, saw some Winnie the Pooh literature. He and Piglet, they're delightful, uh, you know, innocent characters that uh, try to teach you how to be respectful and nice to people. Dude, uh, I was a Winnie the Pooh stan. I think he may have been my first word. Um, Pooh? Yeah, like very <laughs> likely it was. And I may have just shit myself and been announcing it. Pooh. But I think... Uh, <laughs> I think Pooh was my—I mean, I was a huge Winnie the Pooh guy. I was never, like, a huge Winnie the Pooh guy, but I did have a soft spot for him because how could you not? He's, He's just so sweet, cute, running pa- around. Pantsless and, bear, yeah. just, <laughs> just, just raw right. dog and honey. <laughs> yeah. I think it made everyone want to want to just suck down a bunch of honey back in the day. It, it created— <laughs> And not wear pa- pants. Popeye and Winnie the Pooh made you think that honey and spinach were just— Just the way of life. Just the most sought-after foods on earth. You learn that they're, like, both pretty good, but, like, you know, a little, little bit overrated in that respect. Well, I've got bad news. Uh, Winnie the Pooh has gone off the rails. Um, so, according to a, uh, a few different things I've read here, apparently Winnie the Pooh— 
Um, Disney had the rights, obviously, but it hit public domain a few months ago, meaning anyone can do with the Winnie the Pooh uh, name what they want. And someone took it upon themselves to make a Winnie the Pooh slasher movie, like horror movie. Uh, and it sounds pretty interesting. It's called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. Um, so apparently production wrapped earlier this month. It's, it's uh, generated a lot of buzz. And they are currently working on the finishing touches. And I'm sure it will show up in film festivals and maybe even theaters down the line. Um, but essentially the premise of the story. So... Uh, Christopher, Christopher Robin, he goes off to college, and it's sort of a, a Toy Story-like storyline where uh, he, he left he, behind. Right. Yeah. He leaves Pooh and Piglet behind, and uh, they're kind of set to, to fend for themselves. Well, he, he forgets that they need to eat. So now Pooh and Piglet, they've been left to fend for themselves. They don't have any food, and they've gone feral. The Hundred Acre, hundred acre Woods has turned to Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, now they're hunting down uh, young women and just butchering them oh, for no. food. Uh, it, sounds, it, it sounds like something that we're going to have to watch just to see how insane this is. But it's just so funny. Like you, they've you, had a, they've had a taste of human flesh now, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're hooked. You give people the free for all to do what they want with something, and boy, they will do they will do some crazy shit with it. I, w- I honestly wish this would happen more, where cinematic universes like took a weird turn. Um, that's a, like that's just something I never even considered being an idea. Blue's Clues, uh, <laughs> solving murder mysteries. Yeah, like. Blue attacked a child. She killed. <laughs> Blue killed a kid. <laughs> Blue skadoo. <laughs> yeah. You can too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bop a bow. Dude. Uh, and if if that, if if you've listened to this and Re- Winnie the Pooh is not ruined for you yet, um, let me just go ahead and do something to change that. The man who voiced Winnie the Pooh and, and many other characters, uh, in fact, I think maybe all of them on that show except for Eeyore, they, he may have voiced all of them. Jim Cummings, very talented voice actor um very very large piece of shit of a man um he and his i is he is he deceased now i hope so no he's not he's, he's still, not oh no. god he's still kicking uh he, he is still alive so um he and his ex-wife uh have, have had their issues because uh jim cummings is a piece of shit <laughs> um so um she stated, his ex-wife Stephanie, that during their marriage, uh, her former spouse had engaged in physical, sexual, and emotional abuse, including but not limited to death threats, rape, and various sexual deviant behavior forced upon her without her consent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that it, it, Winnie the Pooh is now remembered in a far different light, uh, have, having knowing that. But. Yeah, I mean, you think about, that guy's got such a, a, a soft, like... Oh, I'm Winnie the Pooh, and he's engaging in spousal rape. Not not exactly what you would expect. That's and he a, abused the family dog. Uh, as oh, well. that's a new he's, one. He's a he's a wife and animal abuser. Um, and Covered so the whole gamut. Maybe that maybe that was like part of what inspired this dark twist to Winnie the Pooh's return. I feel like you got to do something creepy with it after finding out that guy was that big of an asshole. That uh. That changes so much, man, and uh, we're gonna have to see this this new take on Winnie the Pooh because I'm it's it's just 
my my framework of Winnie the Pooh has been shattered after, after <laughs> learning all this about Jim Cummings. Well, it might as well sh- shatter it further. Anything that, you know, if there's anything I want to go see, it's a Winnie the Pooh slasher film. Yeah. Um, so staying on the topic of, of things ruined from our childhood or, or things rediscovered from our childhood, Lucas, I don't know if you saw this story, but um, there was a... Uh, there was a discovery that a family made in their attic. Um, so there was a lady. <laughs> I, did. I don't know. I don't even know how to intro this correctly. <laughs> Neither do I. I didn't see it until you added it, and I read it immediately. Like, there's some things you add, and or, like I'm, I imagine it's the same for you, too, when I throw something on there. Yeah. It's like, that sounds interesting. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll visit that down the road. Other things get added, and it's like I got to read that right now and find out what happened. And this was that certainly falls in, into this category. Um, so, so yeah, let's let's jump right into go ahead. it. Uh, so, this is an article from the Dodo: missing pet tortoise found in the attic thirty years later, still alive and well. <laughs> Growing up, Natalie de Almeida heard stories from her mother about a beloved pet tortoise named Manuela. <laughs> Great tortoise name, by the way, yeah. whom she'd had as a child in the early 1980s. The stories, however, were always tinged with heartache. That's because one day in 1982, when Almeida's mom was just eight years old, Manuela had gone missing. At the time, Manuela's family assumed the tortoise had wandered away from home, never to be seen again. She went again. to a farm upstate. But they couldn't have been more wrong. Flash forward 30 years to 2013. Almeida's grandfather had recently passed away, and her family gathered at her mom's childhood home to sort through his possessions. Almeida's grandfather had left behind a very cluttered attic, and as the room was cleared and his things moved out for some sorting, someone noticed something odd. There in the box of an old wooden speaker was a tortoise whom they recognized. We were shocked, Almeida told the dodo. My mom arrived crying because she didn't believe it. They found Manuela. Incredibly, the tortoise had somehow managed to survive three decades trapped inside the storage space. Um, she'd subsisted, her family suspects, by eating termite larvae in the overfilled room. Manuela's family was thrilled. She was alive and well, and sure enough, she still is. This fucking turtle lived in their attic. They thought the thing died in 82. <laughs> Their house had so many termites that this thing lived for three decades without food and water. I can't believe the house is still standing. Because this answered my question. My first thought was, like, can a turtle just fucking live forever with no food and water? Because how do you live in an... That had to be so hot up there, too. And now it's like, all right, well, it just ate termites. For 30 years it (laughs) ate termites and was just cool. It was just fine up there. Doesn't need any sunlight. Apparently doesn't need water. Where was it getting water from? Was That's a- what I was thinking. <laughs> is that in the? Is that up in the attic too? Like they get? How is this structure still standing? But they. Uh, oh, I see a picture now. It's not even a very large turtle. But they. No. Um, that, unbelievable. Like I don't even know where to begin on this. Can you imagine the their reaction? When they stumbled upon it up there, you, you have written this thing off decades ago. It's it's yeah. a sad oh. thing to talk about. It's your pet tortoise. They're supposed to live to be, I don't shit. I don't know how much these, how long these pet tortoises live to be, but like the giant ones and like the Galapagos Islands, they'll live to be like 150 years old. Yeah, like they, they live quite a while. There's that one. They live a long, every long time. time. Uh, every time that one has a birthday, George is that his name? I think he's the oldest one currently. 
Um, they're like, this guy, he lived through slavery and did nothing about it. Um, <laughs> it happens like every single year. Yeah, I knew they lived quite a long time. Uh, but that, like, neglected in an attic, <laughs> just survived 30 years. Like, you and I aren't the most even, resilient creature. You and I aren't even 30 years old. Like, imagine her parents talking about, like, a pet they had before we were born. And then they just find it. How many like, times did they make trips up to that attic not yeah. knowing that... <laughs> Manuela's Manuel, up there. Poor Manuel. How did Manuel she get like, up oh, there? They're, they're here. They're going to save me. How many times did that happen over three decades? She had to. All right. I I think there may be like a 10-part Netflix series coming out where like we find out who put the turtle up there because I've never seen a turtle climb a ladder. Or, or, I yeah, don't know how, how it a, could access an attic. How if somebody threw that thing, in an attic? Somebody threw that thing up there and just thought it would die. And Were they fucking wrong? Well, if this thing can live that long without any sort of you know, outside help, then who knows what it's capable of. Maybe it did get itself up there somehow. That's a good point. I I imagine, I just, I tend to think of turtles as pretty, pretty uh, earthbound creatures, pretty grounded animals. Like, not, they don't can't move do a lot quick. of climbing, no. Um, you flip them over on their back, they're fucked. Yeah, cl- not this one, clearly. She'll just survive all alone for 30 years in a, in a crawl space. Um that's that's insane. I don't even know. Like, this. Why is this just coming out in 2022? Is this like a revisit of we, an article? They found the turtle in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they found it in 2013, and, and it's still it's still alive and well. I don't know if it just took that long for the media to get a hold of this story, but yeah, the tortoise has never been better. It's also transsexual. Um, I don't know if you if you saw that. Um, Oh, Manuel is doing great. He's yeah. grown a lot. Oh, he turned into so, a man up there. Yep. Uh, was later identified as a boy tortoise, now goes by Manuel. <laughs> a lot of things happened up in that attic, I see. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, uh, that gives me hope for our pet bird that flew away in, like, 2004. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's, dude, have your parents checked the attic even a single time? I, I don't Y'all think so. Y'all have an attic? Yeah, we do. Dude, tell them to call them right now. I, I did smoke a little pot in that attic when I was home from college a few times. Didn't see a Never bird. heard any never chirps, saw never saw any poo piles anywhere. But, you know, I guess you never know. I uh, have to check all the boxes, um, wow. literally. But, uh, yeah, that's insane. I'm, I've never seen a story, anything like that. And, um, you know, I hope, I hope Manuel lives to be 150 years old, just like our boy George. Um, Me too. Good on Manuel. My guy's a my guy's a survivor, so I think that's covered quite the gamut of some some uh, very strange news articles, and we'll get into some more. But we're going to go under the sports topics now, so um, let's go ahead and get into that. Um, one of the first things that I want to talk about is kind of a rethir- uh, recurring theme on this podcast, and that is the NIL money being thrown around in college sports these days, and. Famously, we had the Nick Saban versus uh, Jimbo Fisher spat, mm-hmm. where Jimbo very vehemently denied yet again that anything is going on with NIL to convince these recruits to come. Yeah. Well, Ryan Day of the Ohio State Buckeyes basically came out and said, you're full of shit, because he actually put some numbers to the figures here, uh, what it takes to actually entice these players these days. Mm-hmm. So what he said... Um, so per Ryan Day, top tier quarterbacks require around two million dollars in NIL. Elite edge rushers, one million dollars. Top offensive tackles, about the same, one million dollars. 
Uh, and he said, if you're not in the game when they ask for that money, you're done. Yeah. So maybe Saban's not as crazy as people made him sound like. Maybe it's not the fight in Texas Aggie spirit that's getting people to go to A&M. Not the allure of College Station. I, duh. Fucking duh. As we said all along, it's obvious. Like, it's been, Duh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been an unspoken secret. Or it's been a, it's been an open secret, a well-known secret. It doesn't uh, even need to be a secret anymore. No, because Here we it's, are. it's legal now. That's, that's the thing. And um, we knew that financial incentive, like, obviously would have something to do with players' decisions on, on where they sign going forward. Um, but that's, like, I love that a Power 5 coach just threw it out there and was like, yeah, here's what it costs. Like, here's what you need to land uh, uh, a top quarterback prospect, a top edge rusher, and a top offensive lineman. Like, that puts it in plain terms. Like, these are very, very, very uh, achievable uh, amounts of money for for booster bases of schools like Ohio State, Alabama, Texas A&M. Um, we knew that. Like, we knew that this is how it goes, and now that, you know, it's it, somebody said it very plainly, it's like, you know, people are doing, like, the fake outrage thing. It's like, dude, we knew. We knew when name, image, and likeness, you know, became a thing in college football. And there player, was no regulating of it. That this would happen. And the market at first would be crazy. Like, uh-huh. and, and it will inevitably correct itself. And we've talked about that. And a lot of people have talked about that. But, um, yeah, this, like, really shouldn't surprise anybody if you've been yeah. paying attention at all. Um, and I, I love that Ryan Day just, like, came out and said it, too. Uh, and because that's basically in so many words what Saban was telling that the booster base and the crowd of, of, of that video that we went over on the last episode. And I, I don't want to, you know, I, I haven't done enough digging to see kind of what his motivations were for throwing out those figures. I don't know if he was saying, like, this is legitimately how it is and that needs to be fixed or this is going to continue to get crazier. I don't know if it was that or if it was just like a, hey, by the way, this is what's going on these days. Saban or Ryan Day? Ryan Day. Yeah. Um, Saban, it was quite obviously a, like, fix this or we're going to weaponize it like we do everything like, else. Here's what you bastards are going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want this fuck train to continue. Like, <laughs> here, here's what you're going to have to contribute. Um, and that's... It'll be really, really interesting just to, like, see how it shakes out in the next few years and what restrictions, if any, are put in place. And Well, we know how, one thing's for sure. It's not going to stay how it currently is no, moving forward. No, like, no, it's not. But um, there's there are already governing bodies that are looking into it as we speak. Like, it's it's being discussed at a government level. Yeah, and and we'll see what, what guidelines are, are put in place. But, the, like... This is for now. This is the this is the normal. Like mm-hmm. this is this is the new normal. This is what you're gonna have to do, and um, yeah, it, it's just cool to see a coach like finally acknowledge it, um, because I think as time goes on, like more and more coaches and probably Jimbo too, eventually like we'll talk about it more openly, but we're just still in that weird space where. We have one coach of a Power 5 program who's giving you specific numbers and another one who, who claims to not know literally anything about the deals that are being done. So, um, it like, this is a lot of fun right now, yeah. basically. Like, this is fun. This is to, exciting. Yeah, to see what kind of shit's going on in college football and how these coaches are, are handling it, like, completely differently. Um I can't wait for this season to get started either. Man, I, I know. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I just all that's happened. And this is why college football is the greatest because shit like this happens and it dominates the news for a, for a few days. And 
Um, all you can think about is college football. But, but yeah, so, uh, so every single night when we record an episode, we go back, we listen to our episode through, we make edits as needed, and we play the college football. NCAA 14 It's the last college football game that was ever created on console. It's nearly 10 years old. Now. It is. And thank God they're finally working on another one. It should be released as early as summer of next year. That's the latest I've seen. Um, I want to see if they in- – involve nil into it i want to see how they incorporate that's a great point i didn't have any i want to see how they incorporate the transfer portal like there's so much stuff that they can add to this college football game that that could be so fucking cool yeah and I'll, i'll tell you in in our system we certainly play favorites We've had a lot of guys that would have transferred out of our program by now from not getting enough playing time. Oh, definitely. Not getting enough touches, not getting uh, enough money from their deals. Like, yeah, I hope they throw that component in there too because it's going to be interesting. One thing, and I I don't even know if – you and I have probably touched on it a little bit uh, in previous episodes, but, like, the transfer portal in itself being, like, a whole new recruitment, like Mm -hmm. like a whole new – signing class basically of guys there are that you guys using from, power five schools as minor leagues yeah basically that you get like what offer you have at a high school and um i was a baseball player so this is really common in, in baseball because there's so many positions like yeah you you kind of parlay your way into better positions you know you prove yourself along the way and jump yeah. and jump level to level they're doing that with division one football now and it's like out you know we've talked a little bit about jameer gibbs at alabama who had had high level power five offers out of high school, but we um, ended up going to Georgia Tech, which was like his hometown team, and and then now you know he he's he's transferring to Alabama, and and he's probably, not a, a lot of players are yeah he's going to be the starter, he's going to be the premier back, and like a lot of players are doing that. They're they're putting film on uh, you know putting plays on tape, um, proving their worth basically at that these sort of smaller programs, and then getting you know recruited by these larger ones i think that's probably how it's going to be from now mm-hmm. from here on out and yeah i don't see i don't i don't see what you can do to better regulate that other than just going backwards especially back to what it was before yeah and especially with nil in the picture too because it's not only not only hey nate we can get you a significant playing time a chance to start at a premier program um you know with a chance to win conference title and a national championship uh we can also pay you more now like that's right. a that's a whole another part of the deal that hasn't been there with transfers before. It's like not only are you coming to a bigger and better school, getting more, you know, uh, a draft clout and whatnot, you're gonna get paid more. Like like by our collective who can pay more than whatever school you're at now. Exactly. That changes everything. Yeah. It, like it, it is literally. You think a, it's top heavy now? You just yeah. Wait. It's its own form of free agency, and 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 the top programs, the elite of the elite. Are just gonna pluck the guys from mm-hmm. from these smaller schools who are dissatisfied, and, you know, looking to go to a bigger opportunity like that. I like I think that is almost bigger, almost a bigger deal than kids out of high school getting nil deals. Is like the transfer portal guys. Like it's become its own thing now. Right. Like Alabama's transfer portal class this year was like arguably as important as the high school oh, class definitely. it signed. You know, definitely. And, like I, I think it's gonna probably uh, remain that way. So the winds of change are upon us. Uh, change is going to continue to happen. Um, as it stands right now, it's kind of the wild, wild west. But speaking of the winds of change, um, I don't know if you've seen about this new PGA Tour uh, competitor that's coming out right now, the LIV Tour, um, LIV Golf. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm vaguely familiar, and and we have touched on it a tad, you know, in their uh, as far as their questionable funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll I'll defer to you a bit, just because I'm I'm not as much in the know. Yeah, um, so I mean, in layman's terms, basically what you have is a Saudi-backed league that that is going to rival the PGA it, suppo- allegedly. It's yeah. it's basically offering ridiculous money to yeah. PGA Tour players to leave the PGA Tour and play in these events. And actually when it was started out, it they were hoping that guys could kind of toe the line and, and play in both. It's not looking like the PGA Tour wants that I was going to say the PGA from what I've gathered has said they're not on board with that. You're no, not, definitely you're, not. You're, you're, it's our way or, or no way. And and you know what? They're they're kind of using the uh, the human rights uh issues that Saudi Arabia has been, you know, very infamous for to kind of prop prop themselves up and say we will not align with this. They just don't want a competitor. I mean that like let's be serious. Uh them trying to take some sort of like high Moral ground stance. Here, it, yeah. it's it's a little ridiculous, but uh it's been really interesting to see how it's played out because you did have a lot of guys that were they were trying to play in LIV golf events, and they were also going to still play in the PGA Tour events. From what I've seen, what's been happening lately is uh, guys are essentially resigning from the PGA Tour. Yeah, I saw uh, yes, like yesterday, Kevin Na. Kevin Na is uh, one uh, of the uh, bigger names that he's going over. The biggest one by far, though, is Dustin, Dustin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, uh, Phil yeah. and and I saw Phil. He kind of led the whole thing. Didn't right. He? Yeah. So you. And, and actually, the funny part about that is Phil only today announced that he is he, officially he's officially taking, yeah you know, he's he's officially competing in it, and apparently he got something like a nine figure contract to do so. Like they are throwing out ridiculous money Cuckoo to money. do this. Yeah, um, and I do get that part of it, you know, from the player's perspective, um, certainly. And we we've talked about it a little. I mean. I feel like you make a pretty good living as a as a PGA player already. You know, if if you're a if a highly ranked player who wins tournaments, uh, you're doing pretty well for yourself. But you know, as somebody who is always looking for, for better opportunities in the job market monetarily, like I do get it. You know, to, to some degree, it's an interesting thing because the PGA has been like. All you, we really know as far as professional golf, like in our whole life, you know, um, you know, MLB is similar. I don't follow any other baseball league for the most part, but the NBA, you know, I mean, like, you know, if you can't aren't quite good enough to play in the NBA, you're either in the G League or you're playing overseas, and like there are several other options. Right. Um, with golf, it's been like kind of the what you know the PGA Tour, and if you're you're on the Corn Ferry Tour to kind of prove yourself. But like as far as that, those are really the only options you have. If you're yeah, there are some yeah. smaller tours as well. But yeah. again, you're you're typically having to work another job if you're if <laughs> right, you're on right. those tours. Yeah. Um, even the Corn Ferry to to some extent. Um, so there is, I mean, there, there's a decent list of guys that that have made the jump over or who are at least competing in the first event. Um, to be honest, though, it's it's not it's not a very enticing field. It's not something that that makes you want to go. You know, this might be I might watch this instead. Are the events going to be the same courses? Or are they no? Uh, so the first one's in I want to say it's England, England maybe. Um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, it's it's somewhere overseas, but I, I think that they'll be hopping around to all over the place. Actually, I want to say one of the Trump courses is actually they have a deal with them. But um, can't it, believe that. As far as some of the names that have, <laughs> some of the names that have jumped over that are recognizable, there's only let's see four four people other than Phil in the top 35 world golf ranking. Um, obviously, Dustin Johnson. Louis Oosthuizen, um, he's one of the bigger names. Kevin Na, if you watch PGA at all, you will not miss Kevin Na. He plays slow and he's kind of an asshole. Oh, and Louis Oosthuizen's South African, so he's got he's got questionable <laughs> yeah. morals in there anyway. <laughs> and then Taylor Gooch, who great name. Most people that uh, that watch that watch golf don't really care that much about him. And then. The some other some other ones that that people might recognize Sergio Garcia obviously, mm-hmm. um, let's see Matt Jones Lee Westwood Ian Poulter, um, British dorks yeah uh, let's see Martin Keimer Ian Poulter wears plaid pants and Graham, a goofy visor. Graham McDowell like it's really not a compelling field at all and who knows maybe as they keep going and they keep throwing this these buku bucks around it will. Have, it'll entice other guys to make the move as well, but I don't know. What I'm hoping this this does is it causes the PGA Tour to kind of look introspectively and say there are things that we could fix. There are certain rules that we have in place that are stupid, and and we need to fix them so that guys don't want to leave looking for another opportunity. It's like uh, Travis Hunter going to Jackson State, or like some <laughs> like some of these kids like signing exactly. for small schools, and like not to say like. I can't even speak on the whole HBCU aspect, like like the, that part of it aside. I do. I again, like I, I can't even. For quite, anyone not familiar, the the number one recruit in the country last year went, went to, to a a junior college football program. Well, it's not junior college. It's I don't think it is. It's 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 just a Division Two. Yeah, my bad. Not a FCS. Not my bad. A Division Two FCS school to play for Deion Sanders. Um, but. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a similar thing. It's like you, you get this new offer that's a little bit outside of the norm. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what players follow suit and actually join and, and which ones stick around at the PGA. Um, another story that you had linked on here was uh, about Herschel Walker. Or, actually, I had done this one. I was going to say, I My don't bad. recall doing that. Yeah, you had done a, a separate one. I did Herschel Walker, so I don't know if you saw about this, but it's... it's <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is awesome. So Herschel Walker, as we've mentioned before, uh, we've we've talked about him um, a bit. Of, uh, his evolution beliefs. Have, his have evolution made... beliefs have, have have come to surface. We've talked a bit about that. Uh, so he is running for a U.S. Senate seat for Georgia. Um, he famously claimed that. Uh, he graduated from the University of Georgia, and actually, he made some claims that he was in the top one percent of his class. Yes. Well, uh, it actually turns out he never did graduate from Georgia, so that's a little suspect. Um, but the funniest part about all this, he has literally been quoted on camera. He has said, "I graduated from Georgia. Yeah, I was top one percent of my class." They pressed him on it when they found out, you know, they, they did a records request and said, hey, can we verify that Herschel Walker graduated? Pretty easy information to look up, actually. Yeah. Like, any any idiot can do that. Um, no, he did not. Well, they, they asked him about it, and he said, I never said that. So he falsely claimed that he never he falsely, falsely claimed, claimed yes. 
that he graduated from Georgia, which tells you all you need to know about the man. Uh, he did MMA for a little while, and you kind of wonder how much his, his brain has been impacted by that sport well, along he, with football. Yeah, I was going to say he used football helmets made in the 80s, so he <laughs> probably took a, a good bit of trauma Using from Lowe's that. Using Lowe's buckets, yeah, essentially. Probably more damage from that than his short-lived MMA career. But, um, yeah, they said uh, – Basically, Herschel, you have a phenomenal life story, but in that, in, in some instances, you've exaggerated that story. You said that you graduated from UGA, and he said, um, I never said that. They say that. And I said, that's what you got to remember. I never. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was a little flummoxed, it looks like, when they when they pressed him on it. Uh, I never, I never, ever have said that that statement. Not one time. I've said that I studied criminal justice at UGA. Um, pretty clearly refutable. Um, but exactly, yeah, like we we have video evidence of you saying <laughs> things last forever when you say them. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I don't even know where to go on that. I mean, that's like he'll probably. The funny thing is, he'll probably still win. He'll probably still get elected. <laughs> he 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 goes he goes along with whatever Donald Trump says, and that you literally cannot compete with that. You can't compete with that. If you're in a Republican state, you're probably going to win. So uh, best of luck to him moving forward. I hope he doesn't continue to trip over his own tongue. Oh, yeah, here it is. In in a 2017 motivational speech, she said, um, and all of a sudden I started going to the library, getting books, standing in front of a mirror, reading to myself, which I've never never tried that before. So that that Herschel, so that Herschel that all, that all the kids said was retarded, become valedictorian <laughs> of his class, graduated University of Georgia in the top 1% of his class. Um, Dude, all right. What, what kind of skewed view of yourself do you have to have to even, like, come up with a bullshit story like that? That's so fucking I, weird. I don't know, man. He said it here again in 2017 in a radio interview, and people say, Herschel, you played football, but I said, guys... I was also valedictorian of my class. I was also in the top one percent of my graduating class in college. He's he's doubled, well, tripled down on it. It looks. This like. is sincerely making me question some other th- claims that were made about Herschel Walker while he was in at Georgia. How he used <laughs> to race trains and like do like a thousand push-ups a day and like is this all bullshit? Is is the story of Herschel Walker basically all made up bullshit? I have I have a feeling it might be and that's why uh it's like finding out Santa isn't real. I know. And even uh as Alabama fans it, it pains me to say but this this is precisely why Bo Jackson is the the best running back and athlete in SEC history. Um, facts. Yeah, insane though. I mean, we'll we'll see what turns out of his political career. Um but he's arguably as entertaining a politician as he was a running back. So let's let's keep it moving. Let's uh let's talk about our boy LeBron James. Um he's not he's no longer uh playing. Your boy LeMickey. He did not make the playoffs, so we didn't get to watch any playoff LeBron. La China. <laughs> Lamau. Uh, <laughs> but um LeBron haters Who's funnier to you, LeBron's like like vehement LeBron stands or LeBron haters? I think oh the haters a hundred percent yeah they're so hundred percent a hundred percent it's not even close. Um, but LeBron James is back in the news because he is officially a billionaire according a billionaire. To, to Forbes, which is pretty fucking nuts. 
It took it took Michael Michael Jordan a long time after retiring to to hit that billion mark. Yeah, now his contracts were not nearly as large as modern day players, but um, he became a billionaire through his brand, his shoe brand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is kind of crazy, Le- Le- LeBron, and you know I don't doubt it. Like I see a lot of um, net worths or Forbes reports come out that that seem a little questionable, and not that I'm any expert, but like I'm not shocked that LeBron is worth a billion dollars at this point. It is kind of crazy that he hit that while he's still playing, you know. Yeah, and, that's nuts. And again, like he, but you know. He came into the league in, what, 2003, 2004, contracts, especially with the new NBA TV deals, have gotten larger and larger. He's had his shoe brand for a, quite a long time now, uh, you know, like 15-plus years. And Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it, but it is crazy that well, way. The, we the, f- the funniest part about all that is, like, y- you would think that uh, – y- you would think that all of that money – probably came from his endorsements and from his you know lucrative contracts that he signed those are like pennies on the dollar from from what actually made him all that money he has invested heavily in in some big companies mm-hmm. uh, he invested in tonal he's like a big mm-hmm. stakeholder in that um, he's a stakeholder in the ownership group that owns liverpool yep. and the boston red sox yeah i knew that um let's see what else uh there, there was something. Oh, he he started that big production company. He's he's a part owner in the in the company that produced the new Space Jam movie. Yeah, I didn't know. I wasn't sure how much that had had netted him. Um, but I knew he was very active and sort of diversifying his his portfolio. There are some others as well that I don't have right in front of me. But uh, he's just as good of a basketball player he is. Like he's an even better investor. It's yeah. like it's actually like hate him or love him. Like it's it's pretty fucking cool to see what he's been able to do because you see you see about athletes all the time that they get paid and they go broke they they spend all their money really quickly they retire with nothing uh, he has done the complete opposite he's he's grown a fucking empire out of yeah. his name it and also when you're I mean like I and I'm I've never even been a huge fan of LeBron per se but um, when you are 16 years old, you know, and you're basically named, like, the next guy. Like, you're the next thing. Uh, and then to do that, like, to, to meet those expectations for basically your whole career. And, like, you can get into, you know, whatever, the ins and outs of where does he fall all the time. I'm not I'm not interested in having that debate. But um, the guy's done it. Like, he's been for real. Like, if it's, it's like if Bryce Harper, who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16, was actually Mike Trout. Like, if he had had Mike yeah. Trout's career. Like, that's what LeBron did. He was like, all right, this guy is the next Jordan. He actually is the best player we've seen <laughs> yeah. since Michael Jordan. And he's, like, he's done some, said some silly stuff, whatever. He can be a bit corny, but, like, he's never been in trouble. He doesn't appear to be, by any stretch, a bad person. Um and he's made like smart financial moves, and now unbelievably smart financial. Moves. The one that I couldn't, the one yeah. that I couldn't remember. He's a huge stakeholder in Lyft. Lyft, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. So it's like, yeah, the guys clearly put the right people around him and made really, really smart decisions, along with meeting every basketball expectation that you could had. possibly. And so, like, put upon yeah, him. the guys had like a near perfect career. Like he's <laughs> like, yeah, LeBron James is the greatest athlete of our lifetime for sure. Well, uh, you know what? Let's let's parlay the LeBron talk into some NBA Finals talk uh, real quick. Um, 
we had made some picks uh, that we were going to get into last week. Uh, obviously, as I had mentioned before, we did not end up recording an episode last week. But, uh, you know, as we mentioned, we're we're one and one in the series right now. Mm-hmm. Started in San Francisco. Yep. Uh, Golden State had a fantastic third quarter in game one. Just blew the Celtics out in the third quarter and then got their doors blown off in the fourth and ended up losing and it wasn't particularly close. Game two, the exact opposite. It Well, not the exact opposite. They once again played like the 92 Dream Team in the third quarter and they didn't give up the lead this time. So it looks like they've made some adjustments uh, and it's going to be a, a really good series moving forward. But let's talk about what our picks were before the series started. Yeah, and uh, like we we mentioned, the series is 1-1 now, so neither of us can look too dumb uh, at this point. Uh, I had picked the Celtics in six last week, even though we didn't record. Um, and all it really comes down to is is their, their team defense um, and just sort of the – they're fucking just pluckiness, their grittiness. Like, they're just a really hard-nosed team. I've enjoyed watching them play all playoffs. Uh, I've been correct on my Jason Tatum take that we had before the series. Was he your finals MVP pick? If, yeah, if he's – I mean, I think if the Celtics are going to win, he's most likely going to yeah. be the, the series MVP. I think with Golden State, it's – you know, you if they win, it's probably going to be Steph, but it could be a few different players. Like, it could be Clay, it could be Draymond, it could even be Jordan Poole. I think, though, if the Celtics win, it's probably got to be Tatum, who's scoring, like, close to 30 a game. Um, and so that's that was just sort of my gut pick. Um, I don't know. I'll let you break it down. but And then we can kind of get into, like, this this Warriors dynasty and, like, how they've, come, we, they've yeah, bounced it's, back. It's yeah. pretty fun what we've got going right now. Yeah, yeah let me do my picks real sure. quick, and we'll talk a little more about that. Um, so before it started, I had Warriors in six. Mm-hmm just because of the way they dismantled a, a hot Dallas team yes. that defends very well. Um, I figured if they can dismantle that defense, then they can do what they did to the Celtics to some extent. I mean, the Celtics are a better team, no doubt, but I just think the Warriors are so hot right now. They're kind of looking like they did at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. when everyone was like, okay, this is like the Warriors are going to run away with this entire thing. Um so I had the Warriors in six, and I actually thought, and this was without the uh, the, the first two games, obviously, I, I figured this was the year. If Steph doesn't get it done, like, I don't know who it's going to be. Because Clay Thompson, sure, he could be the finals MVP, but he's he's been so streaky. He's been hot and cold. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of a, a, a lot of trust in him. You can tell he's a miss, like, Two full years. Like exactly. <laughs> after watching him before and watching him now, you can tell he's been out for a while. Draymond Draymond Green is like one of the best passers in the NBA, and he's one of the best defenders. But he's in the no NBA. longer an offensive threat. He is. He's. Uh, he just doesn't have the offense that's going to win you. Uh, you know, a Finals MVP. No. When 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 they when they won their first couple titles and like he was a legitimate. He was their third option offensively. And, mm-hmm. like, he was knocking down threes and scoring 20-plus a game, and, like, for whatever reason, that's just not part of his game right now. 
Um, right. He is still going to affect the game a ton. Yeah. And he's still a super valuable player, but for whatever reason, yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the scoring piece is not there. Yeah, so I, I, I was going to pick Steph Curry to be finals MVP, and he's still the odds-on favorite to do that. Yeah. But, I mean, whoever – Whoever wins this series, it's it, it's either going to be Steph or Jason Tatum dragging their team to to, to finals. That's victory. what it appears to be. Um, and they're obviously the two odds-on favorites, uh, as they were before the the series started. But man, it's been a fun series, and you have this collision of this this dynasty and the Warriors. They took a year off last year. They they weren't any good. Steph was hurt most of the year. Clay Thompson was out the entire oh, yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and they bounce back into prominence, and um, so you've got that that collision of present and past, um, but also future with 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 Boston. They they are the winningest franchise in NBA history, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, as far as titles go. Yeah. And um, now they've got this young core with uh, with Tatum and with Jalen Brown. And Robert Williams, when he's healthy, is is incredible. He's a great rim protector. Marcus Smart, he's a threat player down of the low. Year. Exactly. Yeah. They've they've got this young core of guys that look like they're going to be there for the foreseeable future. So, you know, it's it's this fun combination of a dynasty that looks like, you know, on paper it should be reaching kind of the end of its run, and Boston, who's kind of taken off. And if they're able to win it this year, I think they'll be. The favorites to win the next two years. Well, and they were not expected to make this kind of run this year. Like they, no. they are young, and so they're like you know a little bit ahead of schedule in that terms. But like even the beginning of this year, nobody saw them you know making this kind of run in the playoffs. And um, yeah, a lot of it's been attributed, like we talked about, to effort and just their their willingness to buy in as a team, especially on defense. And then you've got a elite score in Jason Tatum and guys that can support him. Um, it's going to be a really fucking good series. I'll be shocked if it doesn't go six or seven. Like, yeah. I'll, I will be very, very surprised. Uh, but um, What it's going to come down to is, are the Warriors able to take some games in the Boston Garden? Because, you know, Boston winning game one in San Francisco is so fucking huge. Yeah. And, and they came back from they were down twelve or thirteen and and came back and won that that was that was very big for them yeah um, so it's it's been it's been super fun to watch Draymond has been Draymond he's been awesome defensively he's had a few and ones he's been doing some ridiculous shit like uh, I I don't know if you saw some of the highlights but there was literally a play last game he already had one technical foul he had a few personal fouls. And he was basically just daring the refs to call anything on him. Yeah, and that's honestly a smart move. Like, get the first tech early and then, like, put the pressure there on There is no one more untouchable in NBA history than Draymond Green with one technical. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to sway the series. They don't want to throw him out of the game. And so he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And he's, he's a, a physical guy. Like, he plays hard-nosed defense. He commits. Like, he's involved in a lot of contact plays. So like you're really putting the pressure on them. <laughs> he he had one technical and then he uh, he went to block a a, a Jalen Brown three and they both fell to the ground and he basically used used my man as a uh, lazy boy recliner. He pulled himself up by, by well, Jalen. He, he had pants. his legs resting on his shoulder and his head, and yeah. and Jalen Brown of course did not like that and he was like get the fuck off <laughs> me and then. Draymond looked bewildered that he was so upset. He was like, "Whoa, man!" He was like, "No, no, don't, yeah. no, no, don't get mad at me. I didn't do shit." And then pulled himself up with 
Jalen Brown's shorts. Literally looked like he was trying to pants the guy. And Jalen Brown actually said in the press conference after the game, he's like, he was trying to pull my pants, pants down. down. Yeah. So not only did we have the the Draymond lazy boy moment, we had uh, we had a play where uh, this is my favorite highlight of the whole game. He's coming down the court and and, uh, and Steph Curry's dribbling the ball up, and he literally just played fullback. He. <laughs> He had a he had three moving screens in one play. Just a lead block, and they didn't call it. Yeah, he he took the first guy out, moves on to the second guy, moving shuffling his feet like <laughs> literally blocking like a fullback, and then moves on to the third level and gets that guy too, and Steph knocks it down. He's great in pass pro. Yeah, so it yeah it's it's been super entertaining, and I I think it's only going to continue to be more and more entertaining as we move on. People are going to get tired of his shit. I was shocked by how little. He was in people's heads during the Mavericks series. Like, yeah, me too. I guess I didn't didn't really come down to that. He didn't really need to be. I tweeted before the series well, against the Mavericks that he's going to take a cheap shot at Luca, and I'm going to be ready to send a drone strike on his ass. Yeah, and I, he, he not only did he not do that, he was helping him up after every play. <laughs> he was like being super nice to him, like patting him on yeah. the butt, high fiving him. Like, it, if that series had been a little more competitive, maybe that had had been differently but maybe yeah he uh he had no need to worry but draymond is in full draymond mode and that's just like love him or hate him it's fun to watch so very much so um and he's a guy who's played a lot a lot of playoff games and understands the way that officials call him and and yeah like we've mentioned that he really puts the pressure on them (laughs) to uh to make that call and it's gonna be a physical series the rest of the way um I don't think any overs are going to be hitting. I, I don't think so either. I, I think we might need to hammer unders the it's rest gonna be, of the way. Yeah, it's going to be knockdown, drag out basketball, which is honestly my favorite to watch. Me, oh, me too, especially in the playoffs. Um, Jason Tatum's been unreal. Steph has been unreal. It's yeah, it's been everything that we hoped it would be, and I hope it continues moving forward. It it is cool though. I will say, um, just talking about like this Warriors dynasty. It is cool that they're like they're hungry again, you know. Like mm-hmm. they, it's they look like they are pursuing their first championship again, you know. And um, we we've talked about it some, and it's been talked about a lot. But like when a team is down in a series, you know, you can't fake the desperation that the other team has. Like you, it it shows. Like you can tell who wants it more. Um, and I haven't seen the Warriors look like that since. 2014, 15, like like early Warriors teams that um, were, you know, trying to prove something. That's what they look like this year. Yeah, and like they like they look different. Like they're trying to get back on top of that hill, which is cool. It's um, one of their last chances to do so, I think. Yeah. While, while these guys, I mean, Steph is what he's 34, 35 years old, and this is probably the best NBA franchise we've seen in our lifetime. You know, I mean, we had the. The three-peat Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, and they lost to Detroit, which kind of ended everything. Kobe won two more without Shaq there. But um, we had the the Heat, who made, what, five straight finals, won three. Um, this is – I mean, this Warriors franchise is right there, if, if not the best. Um, you know, and they've – the last two years have not been very competitive. So right. it's cool to see them crawl their way back. All of a sudden, Jordan Poole is, is like a top a G-League player, player in the NBA. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's an elite player. and uh, They've got Jonathan Kaminga, who's going to be really good moving forward. He hasn't gotten much playing time, if any, in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Kerr gets shit on a lot, you know, for various different things. I think a lot of co- a lot of coaches of uber good 
teams kind of get undercredited a lot, but yeah, like he's I mean, a great coach, and like they, um, the fact, yeah, the fact that they've fought back this year and and you know are in a position to win another title is pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be uh, interested in seeing how the rest of the series plays out and and whose prediction ends up being correct. It's going to be one of ours, like both ways. Like it, you know. Whoever wins, it's it's going to be the player that we picked that's going to win the in, the, the finals MVP. Mm-hmm. So that'll definitely be fun to watch. Um, all right, we're pretty far into this episode. It's another one of our longer ones. So let's go ahead and get into our favorite subreddit, our, our favorite topic every week. Today I fucked up. Uh, this one is especially fucked up. Uh, this one made my skin crawl. Uh, this one sucks. But I had to do it because it is... It's a good one. Uh, today I fucked up by having ears. Um, so, Been there. obligatory happened a few days ago. Honestly, still calming down a bit. It all started in a haze. I woke up around 4 a.m. to a pressure deep in my ear. It was accompanied by a tapping sound slash sensation. There was no particular rhythm or pattern, but it's constant. Tap, 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 tap. Tap, 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 tap. (laughs) I love all the taps. Um, I've been known to stay calm in high-pressure situations, but I started to panic. I'm realizing something is burrowed deep in my ear. I'm freaking out feeling this unknown invader tap dance on my eardrum. I shot up from bed and rushed to the bathroom to try and dig it out with my finger. No luck. I go in deeper with a Q-tip, coming to terms that I'm going to obliterate this creature inside my head. I have to stop it. I've never felt so uncomfortable in my life. I'm in deep with the Q-tip for a minute. The creature's not stopping. Pull it out, no bug particles. Pressure's building. I go back in with the Q-tip even deeper. I feel the demon squirming and get a new pain. I'm thinking the bastard bit me for sure. I pull the Q-tip out and I see in the mirror, to my horror, a behemoth of a spider. It's shot out of my ear and across my face. Yeah, dude, this is my worst nightmare. I'm screaming at this point and I bitch slap myself so hard in an attempt to kill it. It has to die. It went flying. I did not care about my dignity at this point. I let out an adrenaline filled battle cry while I attacked and got my revenge by tissue. I'm feeling pretty violated, but feel compelled to share my story and hope to hear from others who have experienced something similar. Um, there were some people that commented and they have experienced similar things, which scares the shit out of me. Dude. Um, throw the whole ear away dude look at this picture so obviously if you're listening to the podcast you're not going to see it but you can go look this today i fucked up up look at the size of this bastard. oh no oh fuck this is a large spider that just crawled into this guy's eardrum oh my god dude quite literally my worst nightmare i since i've been a little boy i've been ah not cool they say they say we eat like however many bugs a year or however many spiders like in our lifetime. I, I'd much rather unknowingly swallow one than wake up to one in my ear. I've also seen that that's probably bullshit, like to some extent, like maybe one or two in your whole lifetime. But like, dude, this is this is as scary as it gets. Just waking up to a, a critter in your ear. Inner ear shit is also just innately terrifying. Like you can't get down in there. Dude, you can't reach it. it feel, you can feel it. Um Oh fuck, that's gross, dude. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. I hate spiders anyway too. That 
fuck, this person didn't even really fuck up. That's just, <laughs> that's just very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, speak, speaking to my spider fear I've had since I was a little boy, when I was like three years old, I, um, I looked behind the toilet and saw a spider like at the base of the toilet. And literally for the next like four years of my life, every time I took a dump, I took it with my feet sticking straight out in front of me. Just because I was so afraid a spider was going to crawl up on my feet and bite me. But your quads and ass are nice and firm, though. Now, I'll tell you what. I uh, I will be using earplugs every night moving forward. I've, I'm pretty sure I've told you this, too. I, uh, I've never been a big fan of spiders, either. Like, I I don't like that you can't see them. They don't weigh anything. They're silent. Um, you got eight fucking legs and eight fucking eyes. They're That's creepy. Fucking... They're creepy looking. Fuck them. But, uh... I was playing um, fall baseball one time, and, you know, it had been like a, a few months since summer ball ended. And so it was like time for our first fall ball practice, and my cleats were like out in the the building out back, like the pavilion where we kept our shit. And uh, I went and get my baseball stuff, and it's time to put the cleats on. And I, I knock my cleats together and just to knock the old dirt off of them, and just a fucking wolf spire f- fell out of one of the cleats, dude. It was just, like, the size of my fist. Shit my pants. And, uh, yeah, pretty much now that it, it, it didn't hurt me. I wasn't, you know, harmed or anything. Anytime, but you're scarred. Yeah, anytime I put on shoes that haven't been worn in a while, I, I tip them over and, like, give them a good shake. Because um, that, yeah, that stuck with me. I almost stuck my foot right in that shoe, which, again, probably wouldn't have really mattered a ton. But uh, you see a big fucking furry thing fall out of your shoe, and it's like, all right, yeah, that, I'm going to make sure that never happens again. There are people out there with pet tarantulas. Yeah, our, John. Our buddy our John. John. Yeah. Uh, he's got a pet tarantula. Cannot, dude, I see videos of people, like, holding pet tarantulas. There's literally nothing that you could do to get me to do that. No, no way. I, 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 can't, I cannot fuck with spiders. I'd hold a snake. Ten times out of ten before I held a spider. And and with this, my war on spiders has escalated because I'll be damned if I ever have one in my ear. What if it went in his nose? That'd be even worse. Just, oh, my God, dude. I can't. I don't know what's worse. I think, yeah, the nose is probably worse, but fuck, I hope that never happens to me, bro. That's, <laughs> this ruined my night. I don't even know what to say about that. The worst part is, like, several people commented and said, yeah, that's happened, happened to me, too. Oh, my God. So, uh, fuck. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave you all with that. Uh, what's, what's probably, uh, what's probably a, a fear that will never come to be for, for any of y'all listening, but, um, it's a fear that you now have to, to take with you to the grave. Yeah, so good, good luck. I hope you're listening to this in bed. So enjoy that. Um, but that wraps up another long episode of The Break Room Boys. Like I said, we may or may not have another episode coming uh, later on this week. That remains to be seen, but we're back at it. There are no more Bachelor trips coming uh, anytime soon. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners, and we will talk to you all either later this week or next week. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as Nate said, we, we should be back to regular scheduled program from here on out. Uh, but we will see you guys next time.